which he toils under the sun. One generation passes away and another generation comes, but the earth abides forever. The sun also rises and the sun goes down and hastens to the place where it rose. The wind goes towards the south and turns around to the north. The wind whirls about continually and comes again on its circuit. All the rivers run into the sea, yet the sea is not full. To the place from which the rivers come, there they return again. All things are full of labor. Men cannot express it. The eye cannot be satisfied with seeing, nor the ear filled with hearing. That which has been is what will be. That which is done is what will be done. And there is nothing new under the sun. Is there anything which it may be said? See, this is new. It has already been in ancient times before us. There is no remembrance of former things, nor will there be any remembrance of things that are to come by those who will come after. I, the preacher, was king over Israel and Jerusalem, and I set my heart to seek and search out by wisdom concerning all that is done under the heavens. This burdensome task God has given to the sons of man, in which they may be exercised. I have seen all the works that are done under the sun, and indeed, all is vanity and grasping for the wind. What is crooked cannot be made straight, and what is lacking cannot be numbered. I commune with my heart, saying, Look, I have obtained greatness and have gained more wisdom than all who were before me in Jerusalem. My heart has understood great wisdom and knowledge, and I set my heart to know wisdom and to know madness and folly. I perceive that this also is grasping for the wind. For in much wisdom is much grief, and he who increases knowledge increases sorrow. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, I would just thank you for this time in your word. Lord, that you would just minister to each heart. Lord, that you would just uh, give us spiritual eyes to see you more clearly in these uh, letter from Solomon. Lord, uh, that you would just uh, bless our time together, Lord, as we study your word. Lord, and just give us a heart to receive and ears to hear your voice. Lord, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I, uh, I'm so looking forward to this study in Ecclesiastes. Yeah, this summer, Joni and I uh, had an opportunity to look at a house. And the first thing that came to Joni, and I appreciate, her for, appreciate this for as she said, why? Why are we looking at a house? And it was a good question. Because I don't want to do anything out of God's will. And I also don't want to walk in fear. So we began to pray and seek God for wisdom. And we were going through a, a study on... Uh, Wednesday night, and uh, the first thing that came to mind, you know, we were studying Solomon, and I thought, what would be better than to look at Ecclesiastes and look at one of the wisest men that ever lived for wisdom? See, I want to look, I want to look at the world and all the things in it from a godly perspective. with the knowledge that nothing of this world can satisfy. And nothing in this world can fill that God-shaped hole in each one of our... And uh, it really opened up my eyes. And I, and, and it, and I, I couldn't get past uh, Ecclesiastes. And, and uh, I told Joni, I said, you know... We just seek the Lord. And, you know, we have this per perception of God that he doesn't want to bless us. And that uh, he wants us to constantly be going through trials. And not that trials aren't good for our life. They are. But just like Solomon, God wants to bless our life. 
And if you and I ask with the right motives and seek with the right motives, God wants to pour his blessings out in our life. And uh, we need to be led. In order to understand these writings in Ecclesiastes, we need to understand what happened to Solomon in his old age. He started out as a hero. He started out as one of God's champions. You know? He uh, came to God, and he asked for wisdom and knowledge. And I want to read it for you. It says, On that night God appeared to Solomon and said to him, Ask, what shall I give you? And Solomon said to God, I have, You have shown great mercy to David my father, and, I, and, and have made me king in his place. Now, O Lord God, let your promise to David, my father, be established. For you have made me king over a people like the dust of the earth in multitude. Now give me wisdom and knowledge that I may go out and come in before this people, for you can judge this great people of yours. Then God said to Solomon, because this was in your heart, and you have not asked riches or wealth or honor, or a life of your enemies, nor have, have you asked for long life. But you have asked wisdom and knowledge for yourself, that you may judge my people over whom I have made you king. Wisdom and knowledge are granted to you, and I will give you riches and wealth and honor, such as none of the kings have had who were before you, nor shall any after you have like and I and I just thought we felt guilty because God was blessing us because in our hearts we don't feel worthy and God blessed us with the house and God opened the door and uh, and uh, I don't know there's a part of us that just feels guilty that God has blessed us but that's the heart of God you know, uh, Paul says, to the Ephesian church, I ain't going to be able to find it. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us. God is, wants to treasure his people. But a lot of times, God holds back blessings because it takes our heart from God. And what Solomon did was he let little compromises, after little compromise, after little compromise come into his life. Do me a favor and turn to 1 Kings chapter 11. We can read about the tragic backsliding of Solomon in Kings chapter 11. Verse 1. But King Solomon loved many foreign wives as well as the daughter of Pharaoh, women of the Moabites, Ammonites, Edomites, Sidonians, and Hittites, from the nation of whom the Lord had said to the children of Israel, You shall not intermarry with them, nor they with you. Surely they will turn away your heart after their gods. Solomon clung to these in love. And he had 700 wives, princesses, 300 concubines, and his wife turned away his heart. For it was so when Solomon was old that his wife turned his heart after other gods, and his heart was not loyal to the Lord his God, as was the heart of his father David. 
Solomon had to build Pharaoh's daughter a house of her own because his house was crowded. He had 699 other wives. (laughs) You know, backsliding and backsliding, compromise after compromise, turned Solomon's heart away from God. And the truth is, by the time he wrote this book, very little faith left. In fact, whether Solomon repented, you really don't know because he never really calls God Yahweh. Every time he refers to God, it's Elohim, our creator God. So you never really know. Like all scripture, the book of Ecclesiastes benefits and edifies God's people. In the book, Solomon uses the term under the sun. I believe understanding this term is really important for you and, my, you and I because Solomon's not looking at a heavenly perspective. He's looking at things under heaven, a little jaded. This is a guide for you and I of the pitfalls and emptiness of life without a relationship with God. I don't really know where Solomon's heart was. Not once does he relate to him as Lord. Sometimes it's beneficial to read the end of the story, and I really think that this is beneficial for you and me. Let's turn to uh, chapter 12. Starting at verse 8, he ends the book the way he started it. Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse 8 says, Vanity of vanity, says the preacher. All is vanity. And moreover, because the preacher was wise, he still taught the people knowledge. Yes, he pondered and sought out and set in order many proverbs. The preacher sought to find acceptable words And what was written was upright, words of truth. The words of the wise are like goads. The words of scholars are like well-driven nails, given by one shepherd. And further, my son, be admonished by these. And of many books there is no end. And much study is weary to the flesh. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep His commandments. This is man's all. This is where a drum roll would go. For God will bring every work into judgment, including every secret thing, whether good or evil. The word fear God, Solomon's talking about a holy fear. It's not like you should fear God, but it's reverence. It's worship. It's seek after. It's adoration, commitment. To hate evil as God hates evil. It's repentance. It's to turn in awe to the living God. And this is man's all. You know, I, uh, for God who sees all will bring every work into judgment. See, you and I will stand before God and hear, well done, I'm proud of you. You told others about my son. Thank you. You were faithful. Or he'll say, depart from me. I never knew you. And... Solomon, a wise teacher, knew this. And he was warning. See, this is written for you and I and whoever would read. It was written for the nation Israel. 
but I believe with all my heart it was written more for his sons. It's sort of like us as fathers telling our kids, don't do what I did. Man, I'm picking my words carefully. Get what I say. Don't do, don't go down the road I did. Cherish God. Love Him. Fear Him. Verse 1 goes, The words of the preacher, the son of David, king in Jerusalem, Vanity of vanity, says the preacher. Vanity of vanities, all is vanity. In Proverbs, Solomon spoke of the view of a wise teacher. In the Song of Solomon, he spoke as a royal lover. In Ecclesiastes, he spoke as a preacher. The word for preacher is koheleth. And it's the title of official speaker who calls an assembly. An assembly is where we get the English title, Ecclesiastes. Is life really worth living? And here Solomon says, no. It's all vanity. In fact, he uses the word vanity of vanities. All is vanity. It's as though he's saying, don't miss this. And the word vanity simply means a breath. Did you see that? Let's go outside. <laughs> you, you can see me speak. But it's as though you're gasping for air and there's nothing there. He was saying, don't miss this. It's empty. And he was saying, meaningless, meaningless, says the preacher. All is meaningless. It's empty. It's a vapor. It is futile emptiness to try to be happy apart from God. He repeats it for emphasis so we get it. Life is but a vapor. Now that's emptiness. He was saying life is but a breath, a vapor, puff, it's gone. Empty and meaningless is an expression absolute. Nothing exceeds vanity of vanities. Then he goes on to say, What profit has a man from all his labor in which he toils under the sun? I don't have to tell you that life is full of labor. You pick a weed and 10 takes, it, takes its place. I never got done fixing up the yard at my old place, and now I have two extra acres. <laughs> it's never-ending. And, uh, and he was saying, it's all in vain. We are like on a treadmill, a tiresome round of emotion with no progress, like a hamster in a cage. If you ask him why he works, he says, I work for money, of course. Well, why do you need money? Well, I need money for food. Well, why do you need so much food? I need food for strength. Well, why do you need such strength? I need strength to work. So you need to work for money, money for food, food for strength, strength to work. And it's never ending. There was a woman crying at a bus stop. And a Christian asked her if he could be of any help. Oh, she replied, I'm just weary and so tired. She goes, I have a, a great husband. He, he's a hard worker. But I don't think he makes enough to get the things I think we need. So I got a job. I get up real early in the morning. I fix lunches. I wake up four children, fix them breakfast, get them ready for school. And off on a bus I go for a hard day's work to come home 
for more of the same thing. I come home and I fix dinner, clean the house, get the kids' schoolwork done, and I get a few hours sleep only to start the same routine all over again. I'm tired of being sick and tired of doing the same old. Jesus said, For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? I want you to note the preacher repeats the phrase, under the sun. Why is life not worth living? Solomon repeats, and I believe, and states his case in verse 4. One generation passes away and another generation comes, but the earth abides forever. What is compared to the vastness of the world? You know, the trees that I'm planting now will be shade for someone else tomorrow. The house I'm remodeling will be for someone else's enjoyment in the near future. Because we can't hold on to these things. And I like that illustration that Jackie gives of that string. And you can cross it from here to Arizona. And you walk up to that string and you put a little dot on it. And that's the span of our life. It truly is. It's fleeting. And uh, it's like a, a leaf in the springtime. You and I are like that budding leaf that comes out on the tree and we think we have the whole world ahead of us. We're clinging to the tree. We're strong and the wind and the waves and the storm comes and uh, the rain falls and, man, it don't startle us at all. We're hanging with the tree, man. It just makes us more green and, and bright. And summer comes. And we're thinking, oh, man, we're, we're good now. We're hanging with the tree and, and, and nothing budges us. And fall comes and we start to lose our color start turning yellow getting little wrinkles where we didn't have wrinkles before turning yellow and purple and red and and uh but we feel still feel pretty strong we're still hanging strong on the tree and and uh we're still able to do a lot of the things we used to do but soon after fall comes winter and soon the, the snow falls and some of the leaves start to fall, and you're thinking, oh, oh. But you're still hanging with the tree, but you know soon you will be falling too. And that's like you and me. Generation comes, generation goes. And it seems like the earth is here forever. If you take God out of the equation, we live, we die, who cares? It is so meaningless without hope, apart from the eternity with God. And I couldn't help but read this and think that God is rapidly being taken out of everything. And we think that uh, Solomon talks without hope. We have a new generation of coming up with no hope. God is being taken out of our schools, our universities, our public buildings, even our homes. Our country is becoming a country apart from God, and our youth is struggling with this reality. And we wonder why horrible crimes are being committed in our schools. And some of these youth are taking their lives for a moment of fame or despair. We have a nation without hope. And we wonder why mass murders are going on. And we scratch our heads in wonder. Because we don't know. But it's right before us. It must be these evil guns. 
but we've taken God out of their lives. This is the question I believe that Solomon struggled with. Every man and woman has to struggle with this in life, that live apart from God. Is it worth living under the sun? Everything born here soon will be gone and replaced with another. And you and I left to look at our life. And I have to tell you, I at one time lived my life without hope. And only alcohol and drugs was able to relieve that pain. And I'm so thankful that God has changed my life and given me hope in Him. Verse, seven, verse 5 goes, But the sun arises and the sun goes down and hastens to the place where it arose. And the wind goes towards the south and turns around to the north. The wind swirls about continually and comes again on its circuit. All the rivers run into the sea and the sea is not full. To the place from which the rivers come, there they return again. What goes around comes around. And Solomon looked at life now as this circle in which life exists, but which would eventually be tossed into oblivion. We can look at nature and see its cycle and observe that we are but a moment shade in the sun. One day we'll be not here. And Solomon observed, life goes on with or without us. But David observed in Psalms 19, he says, heaven declares the glory of God. Amen? And the firmament shows his handiwork. You and I look at the circle of life and wonder of nature and, the, and our creator and marvel. What a wonderful and awesome God we serve. And to think he cares for you and me. David marveled. I believe it is interesting that Solomon used the sun, the wind, and the river to describe hopelessness, where Jesus used these same metaphors to describe himself. He who believes in me, as the scripture said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Solomon goes on in verse 8. All things are full of labor. Man cannot express it. Eye is not satisfied with seeing, nor the ear filled with hearing. Solomon continues. Everything is full of labor. Nothing is complete in man's satisfaction. I like how he uses the eye is not being satisfied with seeing, nor the ear of hearing sums up the spirit of our age today. Because there's always something new, isn't there? There's always a new iPad to replace that one you got yesterday. <laughs> and I remember when I, was, when I was young, it was like stereo. And no more mono. And soon after stereo, when you got your stereo system, they had quadraphonic sound. Four speakers, man! <laughs> I'm aging myself here. But we got high definition. But that you get the high definition TV and you realize you really, they say, oh, you really don't have high definition, really, until you get Blu-ray. <laughs> and you get the Blu-ray and then it's like 3D. Oh, you got to see 3D. That's better. It's more clear. It's alive. But you got to get the 3D TV. And the player. And it was hi-fi. Then it was surround sound. Now it's Dolby sound. The truth is, man will always want more, better, best, thinking that what lurks behind will satisfy or truly lasting joy. Ask Mick. There is no satisfaction. Sorry. <laughs> Jean Paul Satry said, uh, Things are entirely what they appear to be, and behind them there is nothing. 
This is so true. All, all those who live their lives under the sun without God. Verse 9 goes on to say, That which has been is what will be. That which is done is what will be done. And there is nothing new under the sun. And there anything in which you can say, See, this is new. It has already been in ancient times before us. Is this really true? Because we look at all the, all the uh, inventions of, of our new age. Airplanes, automobiles. But there's signs of that in the old age. We had birds flying long before men could fly. They say, well, how about space travel? Well, didn't uh, Enoch and Elijah were space travelers. They didn't even have to take their uh, oxygen tanks. There is truly nothing new. And he goes on to say, And there is no remembrance of former things, nor will there be any remembrance of things that are to come by those who will come after. Another bitter pill to have swallow is the speed in which we are so easily forgotten. I uh, I have no remembrance of my grandparents. I don't know what they did or what their names are. I don't remember any information about them. But it's funny to think, can you name your great-grandparents' names? Do you know much about them? You could name the last four presidents, but could you name the last four vice presidents? Now it's got Jackie thinking. (laughs) I'll I'll quiz him afterwards. (laughs) We think the world can't get on without us. But it's, it's amazing how fast we are forgotten after we are gone. And life on this planet goes on as usual. I have to say this is really only a half truth. Because we have a God in heaven that never forgets. And he has our tears in in a little jar. And he remembers every prayer. And he counts every hair on our head. It's an easy job. (laughs) You know, he has our names written on the palm of his hand. And he will embrace us when we come into his presence. You alone. Because you are God's apple of his eye. He adores you. This world will forget us. You see, Solomon had a hard time embracing this reality. And his name is only etched for us by God in Scripture. And we remember. But apart from scripture, he would have been just another man in history. Jesus gave us the whole picture. Whoever desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospel will save it. It's only a half-truth apart from God. Verse 12 goes on to say, I, the preacher, was king over Israel, and I set my heart to seek and search out by wisdom concerning all that is done under the heavens. This burdensome task God has given to the sons of men which they may be exercised. I have seen all the works that are done under the sun, and indeed all is vanity and grasping for the wind. Solomon becomes the philosopher, and he tells of how he went about to search out by wisdom the answers of the problems that trouble you and me, and that truly troubled Solomon. 
Solomon thought, if I could acquire by knowledge and education, then by wisdom I could find the meaning of life. Instead, he found it like grasping at the wind. I believe intellectual pursuit can play an important part in our lives. I'm not downplaying a good education. But I believe its place is at the feet of Christ. I studied all week and, and uh, it blessed my heart. There's a place for it. And he goes on to say in verse 15, What is crooked cannot be made straight, and what is lacking cannot be numbered. Not everything can be changed. There's mistakes we made in our past that we can't erase. We can't unring a bell. Joni tells me that all the time. You can't unring a bell, Fritz. But God can change our future. God has changed my future. He has the power to straighten what is twisted and to supply what is lacking in my life. He makes all things new. Faith makes all the difference. It really does. And he goes on to say, I communed with my heart saying, Look, I have attained greatness and I have gained more wisdom than all who were before me in Jerusalem. My heart has understood great wisdom and knowledge and I set my heart to know wisdom and to know madness and folly. I perceive that this also is grasping the wind. If you have any doubts that this was written by Solomon, I think it clears it up right here. See, he never puts his name on it. And I, and I read commentaries where uh, they refused to call it Solomon, the preacher. But no one could claim this claim that he claimed here unless it was Solomon. To obtain greatness and to have gain more wisdom than all who were before him, no one but Solomon could have pursued and attained wisdom to the degree described here. He felt that he had the mastered wisdom and knowledge and he set his heart to know pleasure and to understand foolishness, madness and folly. I believe he sets it up for chapter 2. Pursuit of pleasure. And he perceived this too was grasping at the wind. Verse 18 goes, For which wisdom is much grief? And he who increases knowledge increases sorrow. If wisdom and intellect is the key to joy and happiness, our colleges would be full of joy. But I got news for you, gang. They're not. Rather, they are dorm rooms of ferment, discontent, and unrest. And the highest rate of suicide is in our colleges. Thomas Gray wrote, Where ignorance is bliss, tis folly to be wise. Knowledge in itself can never make us happy. The truth is, knowledge is never ending and its crease only makes us aware of our own ignorance. And more important, it makes us aware of our sin. Jesus said to his disciples, If I had not come and spoken to them, they would not know sin. But now they have no excuse for their sin. Have you ever tried to grasp at wind? There it is. More important, have you ever held a handful of sand? It slips through your fingers. And the truth is, you and I, like we, we're on a ocean beach called Earth. And we are frantic. We build sandcastles. But do we really? 
It's as though we're, we're taking hands full of sand and throwing it as fast as we can because we know a wave is coming. That we keep building our sandcastles that we won't enjoy them because we know a wave is coming. And we look around and we see other people and the waves that hit them and they think, won't hit me. And don't think all those people in New Jersey and New York never heard in their lifetime that a storm, a tornado would go through this part of the country. Never heard of it. And most people stayed in their homes and were washed away. They had to be rescued or they perished in their homes. And to see them on TV saying, I lost everything. And to see their anguish and their heartache because everything that they owned and everything that they cherished was washed away. And you and I think that the wave is not coming. And we build our sandcastles bigger, higher, maybe a little off the beach, you know, maybe the wave won't come here. We make them more elaborate. But it's like the moments before the great stock exchange crash. We're scrambling. We have made Jesus to be our Jesus, our very own Jesus. We are so accustomed to responding to our Jesus that we have forgotten how to respond to the living Son of God. To reject God in one hand, I almost respect they've made a decision. But to to acknowledge Him and live your life as though He is either Lord or God is a horrible existence. And this was the existence of Solomon. And all Solomon was left at his old age was a handful of sand. God is here in our world now. He he has been here all the time. And he calls for us scrambling, grasping people like us through the words of Jesus says, come unto me. I'm going to turn to Matthew 6, 19. And this is what Jesus said. Do not lay up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourself treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Oh, how much God wants to bless our life. But he doesn't want to destroy us with the blessings. And if we pursue through prayer, God wants to bless our life. Which one of us has not been caught up in the pursuit of something Sometime in our life, our possessions, possessions, pride, these are all dead things. And they take our heart from God. When you try to get life out of dead things, the result is only weariness and dissatisfaction. I am frightened by the ability in America to convince ourselves we don't need Jesus. We can amass fortunes. We can get degrees. We can own our own home without the help of God. Yet there is a certain affluence when we obtain, when we become poverty stricken. 
and, and a certain humility that comes through trials that brings you and I face to face with our Savior. Let us stand and pray. Father, keep us from being blinded by possessions we cannot keep. That we would fail to see the eternal treasure we cannot lose. Help us to see what is important, what is eternal, and what is lasting. Let us make decisions based on our eternal life and not on temporal possessions, Lord. Help us to put into practice the timeless truths in your word. And most of all, Lord, that we will spend eternity with our Heavenly Father. Lord, through your eyes, this world makes sense. Lord, and through your eyes, we have a job to do. Lord, I thank you that you've chosen us. We did not choose you. You've set our feet upon the rock. And you've given us eternal life. May we glorify you with all that you give us. May we glorify you with our life. In Jesus' name, amen. Don't think that was easy preaching in front of a bunch of preachers tonight. That wasn't easy. <laughs> but it was fun. <laughs> when I wake up in the land of glory With the saints I will tell my story There will be one claim Yours will be the only thing that matters to me, the only one whose favor I see, only name that matters to me. Yours will be the friendship and affection I need to feel my father smiling on me, the only thing that matters to me. Yours is the name, name that saved me, your mercy and grace, power that forgave me, and your love is all I ever needed. Yours is the name, name that saved me, your mercy and grace, power that forgave me, and your love is all I ever needed. When I wake up in the land of glory With the saints I will tell my story There will be one name that I'll proclaim yeah. When I wake up in the land of glory With the saints I will tell my story There will be one name that I'll proclaim Yours will be the only name that matters to me, the only one whose favor I see, the only name that matters to me. Yours will be the friendship and affection I need to feel my father smiling on me, the only thing that matters to me. Yours is the name, 
name that saved me, your mercy and grace, power that forgave me in your love is all I ever needed. Yours is the name, name that saved me, your mercy and grace, power that forgave me in your love is all I ever needed. When I wake up in the land of glory With the saints I will tell my story There will be one name that I'll proclaim When I wake up in the land of glory With the saints I will tell my story There will be one name that I'll proclaim Jesus, 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 just that name. Jesus, 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 just that name. When I wake up in the land of glory With the saints I will tell my story There will be one name that I'll proclaim When I wake up in the land of glory With the saints I will tell my story There will be one name that I'll proclaim Yours will be the only name that matters to me, the only one whose favor I see, the only name that matters to me. Yours will be the friendship and affection I need to feel my father smiling on me, the only name that matters to me. Lord, uh, you have placed eternity in our hearts, Lord. Lord, uh, may we, and you have set your face before us. Lord, you give us hope in a world that's entirely hopeless. Lord, and you said, go and tell the world and share the gospel. Lord, uh, you have placed this treasure of your word in broken vessels, Lord. And you've made us whole again. And you use us to share this treasure with the world. Lord, we just thank you for this time, Lord, that we gather in your name. Lord, you are in our midst. In Jesus' name, amen.